it's nice to see you. How are you feeling? I'm fine, thank you very much. More to the point, how are you feeling? You've tasted freedom. I've tasted freedom, it's yeah. true. Should we turn the video off? Let's do that, let's do that. Because then I can concentrate on just talking here. Yeah. Um, I have tasted freedom. In fact, I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to send you something. And on Sunday morning, I um, escaped MIQ. Well, they let me out. Um, <laughs> it's important to make that <laughs> distinction. We don't want anyone chasing you. And then as I was uh, about to leave for the airport to fly down to Wellington, I got this text message, which I've just sent to you. Okay, so the text message is... <laughs> due to high winds forecasted in Wellington today, there is the potential for your flight to be disrupted. We recommend you stay up to date with information on the status of your flight here at blah, blah, blah. We're also offering... On- <laughs> I just love that. Oh, no. Are you mad? Don't fly today. Fly another day. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. So we had a uh, we had an awesome tailwind. The flight normally takes an hour and five minutes. Uh, it, we were there in forty. Holy mother of pearl! That's <laughs> good. That, that's I swear they stuck a parachute out the front of the plane and just went. <laughs> and the pilot said, "You know, it's going to be a bit bumpy." Uh, the thing you need to know about Wellington Airport is it's a tiny strip of land, and on one side is the Cook is Cook Strait, which is the Strait of Water between the North and South Islands of New Zealand, and it is one of the roughest patches of sea in the world. Like it's notoriously uh, rough. And the other side is Wellington Harbour. So you have a tiny strip of land between two bodies of water. And uh, so we're coming in from the south because it's a northerly, and the plane is just all over the place. It's a reasonably big plane. You know, I guess it's a 737, I don't know. but um, And it's just bumping all over the place. And, you know, people are pretty quiet because... Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't know how many bumpy flights you've been in, but this is going on and on. So they tend to make those approaches really long. And then eventually, um, you know, we're getting closer. And the thing is about as you get closer in Wellington, you're still over sea. You don't see land. So you're getting quite close to the sea and the thing's bumping. <laughs> this is not the first time it's happened. And then a point, the point at which uh, the pilot just aborted the landing. Oh, wow. Seriously? <laughs> yes. I think it's like the fourth time in my life it's happened on that uh, that airstrip. <laughs> so what happened? Airfield. Where... <laughs> it's really an airfield, basically. <laughs> where where did you go? Where, where, how did you get there? Eventually, well, we went. We just, you know, you can. And I said to the person next to me, "Oh, that's not a good sign." Which I was a bit. I, was, I think he was really anxious. Oh, and that's a good. I that's just... a good thing to say to a nervous flyer. Oh, I think we're going to exactly. die. No, I didn't. I'm, I really <laughs> no, I should have said, oh, it's, yeah. Anyway, it's I really nothing didn't, to worry about. So bad. This has happened so many times to me. That's what you say. Exactly. And that's what was happening behind me because there was two young children and their father and their father was um, talking them through. He was talking all of us through this moment, yeah. frankly. And um, we get up 
uh, back to a kind of a reasonable height, and the pilot goes, um, hmm, well, that wasn't too good, was it? Uh, so we're going to go around and have another go, and um, fingers crossed it works out this time. <laughs> wow. He said fingers crossed. And, of course, my immediate thought is, wow, I hope it's more than luck. I'd, um, I'd be saying, listen, please, uncross your fingers. You're going to need them all to flick the switches. <laughs> don't, be, don't be hampering us by, by crossing four of your fingers over. That's two less switches you can hit. Two fewer switches. Sorry. Grammar. Thank you for that. I would, have, um, I would have wanted to correct that in post. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we went through it again. And the father's talking the children through it. And uh, the person next to me is, uh, his knuckles are getting whiter and whiter. Mm-hmm. And I'm my kind of practice in that respect is to try and go with the feeling, meaning when you bump, you're not sort of holding your body against it. There's no point, right? Yeah. So it's quite a nice ride, and yet mm-hmm. it's also frightening. And mm-hmm. then he bumps it down. He bump, we, we were kind of, there's that point where you go, oh, we're over land, and then you're down. Mm-hmm. Like it's seconds when you see land, and then you're down mm-hmm. and um everyone bursts into applause which i don't think is a thing in new zealand it is in southeast asia every time you land a plane in southeast asia people clap and then the uh, flight attendant the lead flight attendant goes gets on the whatever that's called the intercom the pa i don't know and says um well welcome to wellington everyone uh, i think we've all earned an extra biscuit tonight <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Wellington, New Zealand. They know how to live. Yep. It is called Windy Wellington, or it used to be. They tried to rebrand it, which you've heard about. Absolutely, positively, Wellington was trying to get away from Windy yeah. Wellington. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, positively, cross your fingers, we're going to be fine. So <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> it's just when I know it's an awful thing. But whenever I've been on a, I, and I, I haven't been on very many bumpy flights, I've been on a couple, I find it really hard not to just flash straight to airplane. <laughs> I just get the giggles because I'm thinking, <laughs> it looks like so I picked the wrong to... week to give up sniffing glue. And I just, you know. For some of our younger listeners, you might need to explain the uh, reference. So in the 1970s, there was a trend in filmmaking that I began, I think it began with The Towering Inferno, which oh, I was... I not know which one came first. Uh, yeah, I think it was a, a director or a producer called Erwin really? Allen, if, that, if my memory serves. And I might be completely wrong, but you can cosher it while 1974 I... 1974 disaster oh. film, Erwin Allen... Paul oh. Newman in it, Steve McQueen. So I was half right. It was Owen Allen, but it wasn't as, as early as I thought it was. And you've also got a lot of kind of nature deciding to wreak its harsh and bloody revenge upon humanity. So you've got like the frogs, the bees, the ants. Earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. So you've got all of those sorts of things. Oh, and the Poseidon Adventure, of course. Oh, yes. Oh, goodness. Um, and by the way, in Airport 1975 is a 1974 American air disaster film and the first sequel to the successful 1970 film Airport. Was Airport the Knight. first? Interesting, huh? Oh, I didn't know that. Well. it's It stars Charlton from my cold, dead hands, Heston. He is dead, isn't he? He is. Um, he's I'm on my, sure he's he on my mum's spreadsheet, I'm pretty sure. He's on your mum's spreadsheet. He is for sure. But after this spate of disaster films, the Zucker Brothers made a film called Airplane. Uh, is that right? The Zucker Brothers? 
I think the, so. You mean the comedy, the, the spoof comedy, one. Yeah, the spoof one. And um, Leslie Nielsen, who... Up Liz, until, Leslie Nielsen uh, was in all of them. Up until that point, he'd been, he'd been a fairly straight-leading man. He was in... Um, he? Yeah, he was in Forbidden Planet in 1956. <laughs> Is that right? And he was like, you know, he was like... He was the handsome lead. Um, <laughs> All I know him as, I just know him as, you know, having the mic on and taking a pee in um, whichever film that was. <laughs> that would be na- one of the naked guns. Nothing for me. Airplane is a 1980 American parody film written and directed by David and Jerry Zucker. The you, Zucker Brothers. You have so many brain cells. <laughs> and I am... Filled with useless crap. I am two and a half glasses, nearly three glasses of red wine into my evening at this point. So I am just floating on a very nice red from the Duru Valley. That was a bin end uh, offer in the local uh, wine shop. Very nice. <laughs> oh, well... Um... That's not yes. So airplane. That's you, <laughs> naked gun. <laughs> I think we should just uh, just stop this episode now and just tell everybody. Our recordings. Yeah. If everybody just, just, just goes just, and watches the naked gun airplane for the next twenty minutes, yeah, just enjoy enjoy lines like this. And Leon's getting larger. What do you make of this? Well, I can make a hat. I can make a brooch. I can make a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> which then tips me and Bob down a rabbit hole of <laughs> quoting things at each other. And then we start to get to Neil Simon's Murder by Death. Have you seen that? I don't know if I have. Okay, so it's impossible to watch now because it is hugely problematic in terms of its representation of South Asian caricatures, played by, unsurprisingly, Peter Sellers. I was going to say David Niven, but no, yes. David uh, Niven is in it, but David Niven... Yes, and so is Alec Guinness. Alec... <laughs> Oh, no, it's not. No, he's the other one. Luke, reach out with the force. (laughs) Listen to your feelings, Luke. (laughs) You're, um, you're, uh, we're we're running through your mother's spreadsheet pretty quickly. We are, we're just dealing, uh, but Maggie Smith is in that film. Oh, that's tacky. That's really tacky. Um, and she's not dead. If you can get past the appalling stereotypes, uh, (laughs) it's got lines like, (laughs) Good God, guess. I can't help it, I'm old. Not that gas, the gas that kills. Sometimes my gas kills. (laughs) Oh, we, me and Bob, will lose hours. I know. We will lose hours watching or just reciting them at each other. I think it's the secret to our happy marriage. So you landed. I'm sorry, I took us down a right little... (laughs) Well, then I... um... Came to Waikanae, so I'm um, I'm in Waikanae. Um, just a moment, just a moment. Hang on, uh-huh, give me a minute. Uh-huh. So Simon is obviously staying at his mum's, um, and it is now mm, twenty past nine on uh, in the morning. So I think I think that things are starting to kick off around the house. So he's obviously just going to. Are you there? Uh, you, yeah, I am. I am there. But you, um, I'm here even. I was just monologuing Where'd while you, you went away. I'm still here. What? Just because I left doesn't mean you can leave. I haven't left. Simon, I'm here. I'm here. I haven't left. I'm here. Oh, no, I've lost my podcasting partner. I'm here. Can you not hear me? Simon, oh. I'm here. Something's <laughs> happened. I don't know what, because I can hear you perfectly well. What's going on? 
<laughs> what about now? I'm still here. I can hear you. I've been able to hear you the whole time. Can you hear me? <laughs> He's going to hang up. He's going to hang up in a minute. This is, this is. I don't understand why I can't hear you. <laughs> I can, can you hear me? Yes, you can. Yes, I can. I can hear you. I'm still talking. Oh, what have I done? Let me try this. Can you send me a text message to tell this. me what the fuck's going on? Is it something that I've done? I don't know. You're the one who walked away. Uh, <laughs> let me then send a text. <laughs> I am here. <laughs> call. But I can't hear you. Call me back. <laughs> okay. Uh, testing. testing. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello, I have hello, no hello. idea how this is going to work. So now we're going to have to do another clap. It was bizarre because you just walked away and came back. I could hear you oh, fine. Had the cable come out of your earphones by any chance? No, I checked all that. So I heard people. I heard voices. Was it the radio? Yes. Yes. Um, the walls are reasonably thin in this. Um... Right. Okay. Let's try and get back on topic. You're arriving. You arrived. You're fine. You're safe. You got there. You're in. Uh, why can I? Why can I? Thank you very much. And um, why can I is about an hour north of Wellington. Okay. It's a very small place. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's around um, 12, 13 Aha. K. But to give you an idea of its size, and actually, this is maybe a thing about New Zealand. I can't tell. I think it's about a small place, but I think it's about New Zealand. Yesterday, I'd, um, Gabriel had had, a, had a, an overdue library book, and so. And because I decided to go in and just drop it back off, mm-hmm. I called them and they said, oh, it's got a couple of, um, what do you call it, when people have... Fines? Um, oh, people no, requests. Yes, yes, exactly. But it, or, Yes, exactly. So I took it back and um, I said, you know, I know this is overdue. Um, my mum's pretty sick, so that's why it's overdue. And she said, oh, well, there's a fine. It's $3.60. But um, because she's sick, I, we should just not worry about that. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And I just, I came out of it thinking, oh, that's so New Zealand. And I thought, well, maybe it's small town New Zealand. Mm. Like, would that happen in Auckland or Wellington? Or mm. Yeah, it's um, it's a really beautiful little place. Um, and uh, it's, it's just the antithesis of the UK, really, in the sense, I don't mean the UK is not beautiful. I just mean in terms of space, like mm-hmm. walking down the street. It's mind-boggling how much space there is in mm-hmm. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, and, it, and it's also a beautiful time of year, of course, because it's spring. And, oh, of and course it is. It's all going on. Yeah, everything's coming up. Not quite roses yet, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're having fish and chips for lunch today, just as a... As a uh... Anyway. Is that because today's so, Friday? Oh, I think maybe it is, but also oh. um, fish and chips in New Zealand are really good. Are they? I mean, really good. It's worth the flight, I reckon. I mean, you know, fuck the planet. <laughs> and the fish. <laughs> yeah, well, Simon, that ship's already sailed for you, hasn't it? <laughs> Too Thank soon. You. Sorry, Too you soon. Gonna, I, uh, yeah, a little. little okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. A little raw, that one. Yeah, I know. But don't worry. The, the climate, it's not going anywhere. Oh, wait. It is. The, the only way is up. The only way is up. Temp, in terms Who of sang that song? Uh, Yaz and the Plastic Population. Oh my God, why are you making me do this? Why are you pulling bits of information out of my head that shouldn't be there? Son of a gun. You're incredible. Son of a gun. Look how I'm moderating You're my language right. just in case Mrs. Ellis stumbles across this episode. 
<laughs> I've said mother of pearl and son of a gun so far today. I'm doing well. I, yes, I'm, I, in fact, I've been the um, perpetrator of curses. Mm. I, I think I would actually relish the opportunity to talk to your mum so that I can say, the thing is, Mrs Ellis, actually your son has the pottier of the potty mouths. I just <laughs> cut them out in order that you don't get disappointed in him. And I leave my swears in to make him look like he's a more elegant human being than he actually is. <laughs> your um, your altruism knows no bounds, Lee Miller. Thank you for making me sound so... You know, my so altruism knows no starts. That's a true story. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um... I've got it. There's a couple of things I was going to talk about. But, mm, go um, ahead. I've got, I've got nothing. My head is empty. I emptied it all out on tattoos last week. Just a little thing. that. Uh, so, the week before last, I apologised to someone via an email, actually, mm-hmm. which was really the only appropriate way to do it in this case for a bunch of reasons. And I thought, I'd thought very deeply about the email. It was very brief. Um, it was... Uh, very sincere, but it was quite a long time after the thing that I felt guilty about, the thing that I'd done. And to be clear, I had done this thing. It's not important what it is. Oh, was it before or after I sent it? I read something by a woman, an Italian writer called Anna Maria Testa, her name is, and she said that, to be clear, we say sorry for many, many reasons. But the only one that counts, the key one, is when we are effectively trying to improve the experience of that person. So it's never done for us. Mm-hmm. It's never done for the person who's saying sorry. Mm-hmm. If it's done, if, if I'm doing it in order to make me feel better, then it's not really an apology, according to her. Mm-hmm. And that my work in saying sorry is to... Uh, help that person understand what happened, why it happened, to to help improve their situation and to decrease the chances that you will do it again. And I think it caught me because when I sent this email, I think I was serving both of those masters, meaning I think I wanted it to be better for this person. But I think I was also trying to make myself feel better about it. And I wonder what you think about that. I tend to distrust people who speak in certainty like that. Because it, it very... I'm, it, of course, it might be rep- misrepresenting her a little bit, but yeah, yeah anyway. I, I, just, I just feel that it very rarely speaks to lived experience. And I think that mm. how does the person to whom you are apologising know that you are offering something in a selfish way? In, in the sense that you are offering it to make yourself feel better and not them feel better. That would come down to me about the the nature of your performance of the apology. (laughs) So there's questions for me about sincerity and the performance of sincerity, but I'm really fine recognising that people are super complex and they can be saying one thing and thinking multiple other things at the same time. All I need to do is believe what they are offering me. So I kind of... I don't. I don't believe that um, that the work is to make the other pe- other person. Okay, let me rephrase that. 
I don't think you can take yourself out of the equation of an apology. Because if you were not feeling that, that prick of guilt, there is nothing to press you towards having the conversation and opening up the potential for an apology with that person. Yes, except you know yourself, um, don't you? Uh, <laughs> if if it's um, the sincerity of it, forgetting about how it's received, the performance of it, but you don't you know yourself when you're um, giving the apology that the, the the sort of extent of its sincerity. Yeah, but if I do a good job of the performance of it, then the other person shouldn't be in any doubt of the sincerity either and i would suggest there is a huge gap between intention and reception Mm. so what i'm hearing you talk about with anna maria testa's writing is she is writing about intention and an apology for me is all about reception except i think she's saying it's about reception for sure for the person the apology is designed for but Mm. actually the intention on behalf of the person giving the apology, actually makes an enormous difference to that person. For it to for it to have serve that person, to serve their development, to serve their yeah. I've done the bad thing for my development. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that for sure. But I just I just think that I I think there can be inauthentic apologies that are offered with a level of authenticity that do a good job in the world. <laughs> But also the other thing about, you know, you said about having someone feeling the the pressure, that, that the, the prick of guilt, I think you used the mm. word, those words. But, of course, there are many circumstances uh, in our society today in which people just feel cultural pressure that somehow they have um, they effectively have been shamed into admitting mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And mostly you see it because you can see their confusion why is it that I'm apologising? Not they don't say that, but it's like it's it's sort of written it's written it's writ large in their body and their words. That is that's that part about the intention and reception. If you if you deliver, I'm sorry you felt that way. Your intention is to communicate that you don't really feel sorry. But I don't. I think there's actually a, a little bit of a a little line there, which is um, I think often the desire is to communicate apology and yet because our apologies have become that performance Mm -hmm. that kind of i'm sorry if you're offended performance that it's you know i think maybe we've talked about this before but we've sort of lost that capacity to go i did this Mm -hmm. i take responsibility for doing this yeah but yeah i mean unless you're really going i understand what's gone on here why should i apologize well actually it doesn't really matter if you believe that you've got something to apologize for there are enough people who you have upset that's all you need to understand you've upset some people you don't have to think the thing i did was upsetting you just have to go oh i upset some people oh yeah but if you don't understand why you've upset people what's the point well because there's lots of things that people receive from me that i don't understand and i can either make it possible that they shouldn't have been upset isn't it Oh, but that's like, uh, then, then we're in the landscape of, of um, facts aren't feelings. And that's a tricky one to start to, to, to kind of, or feelings aren't facts, I should say. I did it the wrong way around. But it's true, facts are not feelings either. <laughs> okay, 
if you think about the the way um, the way you go into a, a, a clinical space and, and somebody will say to you, okay, it hurts. Can you give me a, um, a scale of one to ten how much it hurts? So when I was at the, the doctor's the other month now um, with my gallbladder, I was asked on a scale of one to ten how much did it hurt? And I've been in that situation enough to know that I am not being asked to rank my pain against the idea of being flayed alive. Which is what the first time I ever went to see a doctor, he said, how much, it was my knees. I think I've said this on the podcast, how much do your knees hurt? And I said, oh, two. He said, why are you talking to me? It's like, well, 10 is being flayed alive and then rolled in salt. He went, have you ever been flayed alive and rolled in salt? No. Well, why would you use that as a as a descriptor? I said, because this is an abstract scale. Where where else would I put 10? He said, 10 is how much you can bear. It's like, oh, okay. But if you don't have that kind of concept, it's difficult. You know, if you don't give, if yeah. people don't give you the structure around the scheme, how are you supposed to respond to it? For me, it was in the abstract. It's kind of like that for me with other people's hurt, other people's emotional hurt. You can't say to somebody, you shouldn't have been upset by that. They were upset. No. That's what I said, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that there are people <laughs> but, who are upset. Therefore, the sensible response is to go, I hurt your feelings. I am really sorry I hurt your feelings. I totally didn't mean to. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Yeah, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry what I said caused you pain. It wasn't my intention. And yet, intention. Without, without understanding why... Yes, I appreciate that it helps that person, that it will be important, but don't, isn't it, don't we need to understand why someone's feelings have been hurt? Well, do we, not, do we not get into a conversation? I suppose it depends who I'm apologising to. If I'm apologising in the abstract on Twitter, then, you know, if I'm saying sorry, I'm saying sorry to somebody who I know. And then usually yes. there is a conversation that comes about as a result of me saying sorry. <laughs> By the way, I think the uh, the problem earlier with the audio. I think I've got a um, a dodgy um, jack on my headphones. I think, which is not a good thing. That is not a good thing. Um, oh, this. Uh, I wonder what it's like. I'm going to rep- I'm going to turn the headphone jack around. Hang on. Okay. I can't hear you. Just in case you're wondering. I wasn't wondering. Oh, thank goodness! I don't have to buy a new set of headphones. Thank That's goodness. That is better. But I've actually been I've been saving for six years to um, buy a new computer. Wow, you could probably afford like big I, I big can. blue. I would I would go. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could win all the chess. Could beat, could beat me at chess. You could win all the chess at this point. <laughs> Get that Bobby Fisher over. I'm going to cream that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> 